Well, welcome. Welcome to this gathering of Heart of Life. Uh, my name is Jeff. I'm one of the pastors here, and uh, today I'm excited to be able to, one, share God's word with you so that, second, we can take our next steps together in following Jesus, because that is what this whole thing is about. But before I do that, I am excited to announce something to you that I really think that you're going to be a part of. It is actually scheduled for exactly two months from today, December 9th and 10th, um, Heart of Life is going to be presenting a walkthrough drama called Follow the Shepherd. Follow the Shepherd. And so I want to invite you to be a part of that. Um, now, wherever you may be joining us from today, by now you should have uh, a couple of, of uh, things in your hands. They were either in your seat when you came in or somebody handed them to you. Uh, but you got a couple of little things that, that you have with you by now. One of them says connect with Heart of Life. It's a magnet, all right? So it is, it is the thing that you can take home and, right, slap that thing on your refrigerator, right, which I'm pretty sure that you visit fairly often, right? And it's got the QR code on it that just allows you at any time to scan that QR code with your phone and you find out, right, all that info that from time to time you go, well, I didn't know we were doing that. Well, I didn't know that was what that was. This is a code for you. If you don't know how to do this, ask, all right? Ask us. Even before you leave today, I promise you there are people in this room and certainly people at the, at the information uh, desk, the next step desk at, at each place. Just ask and somebody will walk you through how to use this. And one of the things that you're going to find there is this form. All right? So the other piece is a form. It says, follow the shepherd at the top, walk through drama. And uh, we want you to be a part of that. Now, you say, okay, what, what's a walk-through drama? It's exactly what it sounds like. You walk through a building, and in this case, we're, we're going to do it at this time. We're going to do it at the, at the Garden City location. But you, you walk from room to room. In each room, a part of the story is told, and so it builds the story as you walk through the rooms. Um, the point for us is, we want people to know who Jesus is. That's why we do it. And so in this particular case, it's obviously Christmas. We're, we're focused on the Christmas story, and we're going to use that Christmas story um, to point them toward him. And historically, we haven't done this in a while, all right? And honestly, I don't think we've ever done a Christmas drama like this. But historically, we have seen lots and lots of people introduced to Jesus this way. Now, here's the fun part. We need at least a couple of hundred people to make it happen. To make it happen is, I don't mean attend, which you can also be a part of walking through it with someone that you invite, a, a family member, a neighbor, whatever, but we need a couple of hundred people to actually make the thing work, 
all right? And you see the list here uh, because I think immediately you might say, you don't want me acting, Jeff. You don't want me doing drama. Can I tell you that most of the roles are not drama? By far, the majority of ways that you can serve are not acting. Now, if you like acting, there's a couple of lines there. You, you, you indicate, hey, here's your age because some of the roles are, are age-specific. Um, but there's just a lot of stuff that, that you can be a part of. Most of them are kind of, gives you a, a pretty good idea, whether it's a room director or you're helping with registration or you're, you're a greeter that's helping people feel comfortable as they, as they come in. There's designing of props. Um, there's construction. There's costumes, all right? So I'm making this appeal today because we've never really done the Christmas drama in this way. It's always been other things we've done. We don't have a whole lot of shepherd garb. So, like, I'm putting the appeal out today. If you know you belong to a shepherd's club, all right, <laughs> I've stopped being surprised at what there actually is, all right? But seriously, you may know another church that's done drama before, and maybe they're not using them anymore, or you know what I'm saying? You never know who somebody knows and what's available we need a lot of costumes that fit more of that biblical, uh, you know, time frame. And so if you know of something, let us know, all right, because we need that kind uh, of thing. And there's just all kinds of roles from, from helping to prep meals because food will be a part of it. Uh, once people go through the drama, they're going to be able to, to sit down and actually in, enjoy uh, a meal, and then we get the opportunity to sit down beside them and say, so... What do you think about that? What do you think about that? Hey, does it make sense? As to, do you see who Jesus is? And just have conversations that allow people to take steps toward him. So, we ain't messing around. I'm asking you to take this thing today and, and fill it out. Fill it out. If you don't know or you're one of those people that just says, I'll serve anywhere, then just write it on there. Just write it on there, hey, I'm, I'm willing to help wherever uh, I, I'm needed, then that'll be fantastic. You can fill this out. You can also scan the QR code, and that form is online. If you prefer to type it in that way, just don't use that as an excuse for not doing it, right? You know how we are. It's like, oh, I'll do that eventually, and then we never do. I'm saying fill the thing out, um, and then you can just either drop it in the, the, the offering boxes at each place, or, or you can take it to the desk uh, uh, it, it w w depends on where you are as to turn it in, uh, but we would really appreciate getting a jump on this, and we want to do it the very best that we can. We spend a lot of money on things like this. We do. Um, there, there's, I don't know if you've noticed or not, but there's not a lot of camels grazing around the Midwest. And so, you know, it's things like, it's a live nativity, so... We'll be securing, you know, the animals and stuff like that. There's a large, like, large tents that have to be rented and set up. I mean, it, it just becomes, uh, there's a lot of pieces to it. Here's why I'm saying that. I told you last week, I'm going to remind you of this the rest of the way. This is why we give. This is why we give. So, like, you don't even have to designate money to go toward the drama because a huge portion of our budget is all about the mission. This is the reason we have a budget. So I unapologetically say to you, 
man, this is the reason we use our resources. It is the opportunity to help people take steps toward Jesus. Y'all want to do, doesn't this sound like fun? I mean, we hadn't done this in a long time for those of you who maybe have been a part before. Um, I'm excited. If you're one of those folks that maybe is kind of new to Heart of Life and you're like, I wish there was kind of something that would help me take a next step toward just feeling connected, this is one of those things. When you serve together this way, you do something together as a family, there's, I, I cannot tell you over the years how to measure the connection that God has brought among us, not even counting how many people he brought into his kingdom. Feels like we should start something like this, asking God to help in the sense of us leaning in to say, God, we want this to be yours. We really feel like, we really sense that you're calling us this way, but God, can we, just, can we stop and do that? I, I, I want to invite you. I'm just going to pray, and um, let's talk to him for a second, all right? God, there is an excitement you know in my heart, and I, I, uh, I think that's probably the case across Heart of Life for those of us who have had the privilege of being a part of something like this before. God, we have seen your greatness in opportunities like this. And God, as we sense you calling us toward that this Christmas, um, God, we just want to make sure for our heart's sake God, that we are declaring up front, this needs to be all you. God, we're willing to serve. We're willing to, to work hard and to do what needs to be done. But God, um, it's you. It's you. And so I'm asking that you would give us ears that can hear as you direct in this. God, that we'll know the right steps to take. I pray that as you speak to the hearts of your people about being involved, God, give us, give us that, that initiative to just take those steps. And God, we're going to praise you now for all that you do. God, not only in tying this body together, but God, also in making your family bigger. So God, we thank you for this opportunity. And we declare we trust you. Help us to do that right. In the name of Jesus, I ask it. Amen and amen. All right. Fill them out. Drop them off today. And uh, we can get started. Well, welcome to week two of a series that we have chosen to call Rethink. Rethink. And the further we go in this series... I think it'll become more and more obvious as to why we chose that title. It is a, a series anchored in a little section of Scripture in Philippians chapter 4. We've been going through Philippians all year long, and we've arrived in this section today. We're just going to look at one verse, right, one verse, and so, but I'm going to back up a little bit to give you a couple of verses that lead into it because that helps it make sense. So verse 4, Philippians chapter 4, verse 4, rejoice in the Lord always, I will say it again, rejoice. What's the point? Rejoice, right? He says it twice. 
Not only does he say it twice, when he says, I'll say it again, it is literally language, and I will keep on saying this over and over. Why? Because as long as you are living this life, there are going to be challenges, and you need to hear this, rejoice. When you are in the family of God, then even when there are painful circumstances, we can still rejoice because of who God is and the promise that he has made to us his family. Rejoice. Verse 5. Let your gentleness, and if you didn't get to be here last week, I'm encouraging you to go back, watch the talk from last week, because we wrestled with this word. It is one of those words that comes from the Greek language that you cannot sum it up really with one word, and so we, we tried to give it this title. This is the way I did it, Gracious Stability. Let your gracious stability be evident to all. The Lord is near. When life threatens, and it does, maybe it's the threat of loss, maybe it's the threat of mistreatment, when the heat is turned up and the pressure is on, God can do something supernatural in the hearts of his kids, leading you to respond in those moments with gracious stability. When you're in God's family, then even in painful circumstances, you can, and this is the statement I'm going to give it this week, let people hear your gentle responses. In other words, we ain't going to do it like the world does it. We're not going to respond with hate. That's how our world does it these days, right? If you disagree with me, then you hate me, so I'm going to hate you first. That's kind of how it works. We ain't going to do that. A graceful, gracious stability. We're not going to respond with violence. We're not going to respond with selfishness. We're not going to respond with a closed-mindedness. I'm not saying we know what what we believe. We know what, what God has declared, but we are willing to be listeners. And now comes the challenge for this week. All that leads up to this. Verse 6. Do not. Be anxious about anything. You're like, oh, great, right? (laughs) But before you get anxious about me confronting your anxiousness, I I want you to let me show you something that... Quite honestly, I, I, I learned when I'm, I'm studying this over the past couple of weeks. Do not be anxious about anything. In this little letter, Philippians, that the Apostle Paul is writing to some Jesus followers in Philippi, there's another place in this letter, chapter 2, where Paul makes a statement about a young man named Timothy. Now, Timothy is a guy that comes alongside Paul. He's younger than Paul. They kind of have this 
father-son type relationship. They're, they're, not, they're not blood related, but they are, they are spirit related. And, 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 and Paul makes a statement about Timothy that goes like this. Philippians chapter 2, verse 20, I have no one else like him who will show genuine concern for your welfare. Now, here's my question. Does that sound like a good thing? Yeah. Does it not sound like Paul is complimenting Timothy on this, tra- on this trait? He, he is saying that there's nobody else that has such genuine concern for you. Guess what? That word concern, translated concern in chapter 2, is the same word that's translated anxiety in our verse today in chapter 4. Same word. I'm going to show you one more. There is another occasion, another letter that Paul writes to another group of Jesus followers in a place called Corinth. In his teaching there, he's talking about God's family. He's using the image of us being like a body where there are all parts of the body and, and God empowers each part and how they work together. And in the middle of that, he makes this statement, 1 Corinthians chapter 12, verse 25, so that there should be no division in the body, but that its parts should have equal, there it is, concern for each other. Now again, my question is, does that sound like something positive? Yeah, because it is something positive. That, that, that the body w- would have a concern for one another. So here's the scenario we've got. We got a word that sometimes can be bad. Thus, in chapter 4, it's, it's translated anxiety because in the English language, when we hear anxiety, we know that that's probably not the way this is going to work long term. If we got the anxiety, we're gonna, we're, we're gonna, there's a weariness to that. There's something that's going to be in effect. But that same word sometimes can also be good in the sense of caring for one another, in the sense of concern for one another. And here's my question. What makes the difference? Like what makes it anxiety in chapter 4? What makes it concern in chapter 2? And I believe we can answer that. Um, simply by maybe taking a little step back and taking a look at what is it that's said right before our verse today where he says, do not be anxious about anything. What is the phrase right before, do not be anxious about anything? The statement is, the Lord is near. The Lord is near. In other words, the difference is the the mindset. The difference is the view. The difference is the, the thinking of recognizing Jesus is present and Jesus is powerful 
And so when I have a concern, when there is a care that I am dealing with, the difference is when I recognize Jesus is near, when I, when I am operating in that concern, in the context that he is present and he is powerful, then that does not have to become an anxiety that is weary. One of Jesus' disciples, Peter, says really the same thing um, in another place in Scripture. I want you to see it. 1 Peter chapter 5, verse 6, he says, Humble yourselves. Humble yourselves, therefore, under God's mighty hand, that he may lift you up in due time, cast all your anxiety on him because he cares for you. So here's what I see. When I have this tendency to suddenly feel an anxiety. But then I acknowledge he cares. He cares. Right? I got a concern. I, I'm, we would say I'm worried about something. But I, all of a sudden, I, I'm seeing this in the light of, wait a minute, I, I, I care, I, I'm feeling this, but, but he, he cares, then suddenly what happens is I am choosing to depend, that's the word humility, right? In humility, I, I, am, I am leaning into him fully, I am depending on him, and I love the language in this verse, under his mighty hand, and I am in his mighty hand, right? Because it says he will lift. And so don't, don't miss the imagery here. Under his mighty hand, in his mighty hand, oh my goodness, what a beautiful place to live. The grasp of the mighty hand of God. Mm. A God who's got his hand over me, and a God who is upholding me, right? So that, so that, even, remember the context of, of this little section, even when I experience some mistreatment of some sort, right? Whether it is a, a, a loss or, or whether it is, it is somebody doing something to me that I don't deserve as I'm, as I'm following Jesus, whatever that may be, the bigger picture is I am sheltered. This, in other words, whatever gets to me, only gets to me because the mighty hand of God is allowing whatever that is to take place. It is not out of his control. And in due time, which at worst means when he returns, right? At due time, he is going to settle all injustice. He will lift me up forever and ever. So here's my point. Don't let somebody tell you that it's wrong for you to be concerned about your children. 
you should care about your children. There should be moments that, that your heart aches for your children, right? There are moments that your, your, your heart, you, you see them and you love them and, and you're, you, you want what's best for them. And so there's nothing wrong for you to be concerned about your kids. There's nothing wrong for you to be concerned about the brokenness of this world around us. Come on. This thing is crazy at times, isn't it? And you're just watching the, abro- the brokenness have its effect on people's souls. And you can see the, the weariness and the hopelessness at times. <clears throat> there is nothing wrong with you being concerned. But to do so with the view of all of that being in the mighty hands of God means I am demonstrating concern within a faith that my God is present, and he cares. That's faith. It's faith. And that's what determines the difference whether a concern suddenly becomes an anxiety that hurts my heart. So I want you to notice what Paul has given us in in these two weeks of, of study. We've gotten... Rejoice in everything. Rejoice in everything. And then today it's like be anxious in nothing. That's like the same thing. It's just one way is a, a very the positive way of rejoice in everything. The other one is kind of taking the, the, the negative aspect, if you will, of, of, of be anxious in nothing. And together you've got a positive and a negative that, man, when, when both of those are full force in your life, there, there is power attached to that, that a world can see you live differently. But now it's time for the question that you know I'm always trying to ask. Okay, that sounds real good, but how are we going to do that? <laughs> that sounds, sounds fantastic, Jeff. I don't want anxiety. I want concern, but how do I do that? I don't want anxiety, but I want care, but how do I do that? Paul answers it in the verse that we are studying today. Go back to verse 6. Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Here we go. Present your request to God. The God who is near and the God who cares and the God who grasps me, present your request to God. Approach him. So let me give you another statement for today, building off of the statement that I gave you from last week. He said last week, let people hear your gentle responses. Here's what I hear God saying this week. Let God hear your cries for help. Isn't that good? Let people hear your gentle responses. Pressure's on. Heat's turned up. How are you going to respond? This gracious stability. Let people hear your gentle responses. But don't be afraid to let God hear your cries for help. They're all right. But how do I do that? Well, God was Right, beautiful enough in giving us the answer to that, even within this verse. Go back to the verse again, right? What, what does that look like? Do not be anxious about anything, but in every situation by prayer. Prayer. Prayer right here is the general word for prayer that, that we think about, right? When, when you're anxious, 
that you talk to God. When you are anxious, you, you go vertical, all right? But he gives us more. Prayer and the word is petition, which, which it is one kind of prayer, right? The, the word petition means to ask, right? To, to ask, that is, that is one aspect of the overarching picture of, of, of the bigness of prayer. We get to ask. We, we ask our God for the, the things that we need, like, uh, like a child would ask their father, knowing that, that a parent knows how to give good gifts. It is, he says, I, I want you to ask. So I want you to pray, and I want you to ask. But the next word was the one that shocked me. The next word was the one I had to wrestle with by prayer and petition with thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Which if petition can be seen as one right aspect of prayer, then thanksgiving is one way to petition. I mean, what's the other way to petition? Demand. <laughs> right? There, there could be a petition of, of God, you got to do this, right? Or, or, or guilt, right? Of, of God, I, you know, I've, I've, I deserve this. Or if you don't, right? There, there's a lot of ways that you can petition something. The correct way here, he says, is it's to be with thanksgiving. And my question is, why did he say thanksgiving? Like, why did he pick that? Right, within a month or so, we will be celebrating, uh, thanksgiving. We, 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 I mean, the word will be everywhere. What, what, is, what is really behind that? I believe what is behind thanksgiving is this understanding. It is understanding that God's good. He is good, which means he is the giver of all those good gifts that we have. And attached to that, is this understanding that I don't deserve any of that from him. I have rebelled against him, right? I don't deserve, I have, I have not earned, right, anything that God owes me. He, he owes me nothing. But thanksgiving is saying I am recognizing a God who is good. Even though I don't deserve that goodness, there is this confidence that he's good. There is this humility knowing that, that I don't deserve it. I am going to my generous heavenly father who always, always wants to grant what is good in my life. Thanksgiving does that. Thanksgiving does that. I, I've heard people from time to time, maybe look at this little section and go, okay, you pray and you ask God for stuff and you go ahead and thank him for it because that thanks is you declaring that you're not doubting and you're already thanking God for what he's going to give you. Do not be that arrogant. Do not be that prideful. We've all done it from time to time, right? Well, we'll try it. If we really want something, it's like, okay, I'm going to ask God for this, and then I'm going to go ahead and thank him for it so he'll know I don't doubt, right? Because if you doubt, you won't have it. And so if I believe enough and I thank him enough, then he'll deliver what I want. That is not the heart behind what's going on here. Man, I don't demand what God needs to give me. He's the one who knows what's good. 
I can't even see past this moment, right? I, I don't even know what's going to happen in the next hour. No, but I am asking for what I think I'm supposed to ask him for. But what's behind that? Thanksgiving, which means I'm trusting he's good. And so if this is not the good thing for me, then he's not going to do that. He's going to act in the way that is good for me even though I don't deserve for him to do that because here I am begging him for something and demanding something and telling him what he needs to do, and yet he's good, and therefore he will act for me in that way. It's Thanksgiving. Can I show you one more verse that I, that I discovered when I was studying this? And this thing, I, I just think this is so cool. Let me show you this verse. Ephesians chapter 5, verse 4. Nor should there be... Obscenity, foolish talk, or coarse joking. So he's dealing with some language that's not so good. How are we going to deal with that? Which, which, which are out of place, right, when you follow Jesus. But rather, what's the word? Thanksgiving. Thanksgiving. Now, if, if, if somebody came to me and said, Jeff, man, I'm, I'm just, I, I want my language to be, I want it to honor God right? Somebody genuinely say, I got this bad habit, right? Sometimes it's because you, you hear it all the time and where, you're, where you work and, and it's just that constant, you're like, I, I want to do that right. I, I'm not trying to right, act, act holier than everybody else. I just want my language to honor him. I'm a, I would say, well, we need to pray. We need to pray about that. We need to pray. God, God knows that about your heart and he's the one who is near and he is the one who cares. I would say, Let's pray. But I wouldn't necessarily say with thanksgiving. Like that wouldn't be how far I would take that. But once I see what the picture is, think about it, right? Thanksgiving, we are saying what? God is good. God is good, and therefore I, I want all of my life to reflect that truth of, of who God is and, how, and, 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 and I don't deserve. In other words, there is a humility there, a humility that overrules selfishness, which is really at the heart of the, the language that's not appropriate, the, 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 the joking that's not appropriate, right? It's, it's a selfishness. It's, it's me saying, I'm, I'm going to say this, and I don't really care if it offends you or not, right? It's just a word. No, it's not. It's not a word. It's a heart thing. It's a heart of do I love others? Do I put the interest of others above myself? That I'm not going to be lazy in using, right, speaking things that could be hurtful or or offensive to others just because I want to do it. The answer to that's a humility. And that humility is found in the thanksgiving of recognizing the goodness of God and what I don't deserve. Thankfulness is, he says, the remedy. It's the remedy. So let's put this together a little bit. If I wanted to give you an image today, and so some of you are image folks, and so anytime I can kind of give you something to latch on to for the week or sometimes like today, I'll this will kind of become the image that I always think of when I see this from now on. I'm going to think of the truth that we're wrestling with in this text. When I think of graceful, so, you know, graceful as a, the word I think of is swan, right? Grace, you ever heard that? They are graceful as a swan. That's a pretty common language for 
um, maybe a dancer, right, or sometimes even a gymnast. I mean, any, anybody who has that ability to just move in such a way that it is just smooth, right? It, it is just beautiful in the way that they are able to operate. They are graceful as a swan. And if you've ever seen, right, a swan that moves, right, across that body of water, I mean, it really is, for me, I mean, as far as birds go, right, that, that swan just, like, it looks like it, it is, it is secure. I mean, swans look like they got some oomph to them, and yet they are just gliding across that water. It's just beautiful. They're just beautiful as they glide across that water. Here's my question. But what's going on underneath? Right? Above the water, right? Smiling, smooth, gliding, peaceful. There's a calmness, a gracefulness, a gracious stability. But what's happening underneath? Right? There is energy. There is effort. There is, there is some tension going on as, as feet are, 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 are moving and, and water is churning. Man, that is the picture that I have when I read this little section of Scripture when, when he is calling us to be able to rejoice in, in, in the Lord, right? No, no matter what we're going through, we're able to rejoice in the Lord and, and, and we are to able to operate. That, that when the pressure is on, there is this graceful stability that, that is evident to all. That's what the text said. He said, I, not only the church, but I want the world to see that, that when you feel the threats, man, who you belong to makes the difference that you have this just gracious stability that allows you to continue to move forward. But God's like, come on, we know. Cry out to me. The things that you are wrestling with, the things that you are struggling with, cry out to me. Right? Let your request be made known to me. When the tears are flowing, talk to me. When the pain is on, talk to me. And he works that together in a most beautiful, most supernatural way. A gracious stability under pressure while we're asking God, humbly depending on him. Let people hear your gentle responses let God hear your cries for help. There is a prophet whose story we're told about in the Old Testament. Um, you most likely know him as uh, Habakkuk. You ever heard of Habakkuk? All right? Now, I'm just going to tell you, I don't call him Habakkuk. Because I grew up in the South, and apparently in the territory in the South where I grew up, and all the Sunday school teachers and everybody in my life at that point where I lived, they called him Habakkuk. Habakkuk. Any Habakkuk's in the Oh, yes! Sweet! All right. All right, so I don't know. Like, and I really don't care. I'm the one telling the story today, so I'm going to call him Habakkuk, and I just didn't want you to freak, him, freak you out because... 
Habakkuk is the same guy, all right? So whichever one it is, we'll find out when we get there. Um, I don't even care if I'm wrong. It's the name I know, and so I'm kind of rolling with this one, all right? I want you to hear he had a concern, and this is his concern. You don't have to go very far in the book. I'm only going to give you some cliff notes to wrap this thing up. You can read the whole story. It's only three chapters, all right? Only three chapters. People argue more over how to say his name than they actually know his story. You should read it. It's only three chapters. Here's his concern. Verse 2, how long, Lord, must I call for help, but you do not listen? Don't you read stuff like that and you're like, I think I like that guy. I think I like that guy. Which what we're admitting is, come on, we've all had some moments where we're going, God, I, I think I'm talking, but I'm not hearing anything from you. God, I'm asking for direction here. I am asking for help here, and I'm not hearing or seeing anything for you. If we walk it out very long, most of us are willing to admit we've had those moments. He has been asking for a while now because God's people are messed up, and he's the prophet. They're messed up, and he's asking God to do something about it. God, God, what are you doing? Why don't you answer me? Why don't you turn this thing around with your people? Why don't you fix this? And God's response is, I'm about to tell you, and you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you, which might be why God hadn't told him up until now, which is like most of us. If God gave us the answer, we'd be like, no, right? So God's like, if you're not going to believe what I'm about to tell you. And what God tells him is that God is going to use the enemy to do what needs to be done to bring his people back. And when I say enemy, I mean the people in that day that they saw them as the most ruthless. They saw them as the most evil, hated people. And God's like, I'm going to use them. And suddenly Habakkuk's got another wrestling match going on in his mind. It's like, finally God answered, but God, that ain't the right answer, right? That's not the right answer. God, why? I, I know we're messed up. That's why I'm talking to you, but why would you use people who are more messed up than we are to fix us? How much did this affect Habakkuk? Like, I'm bringing this up because it's like, do you think this weighed on him? Let me show you something. Chapter 3, you find the answer as he's telling about how he felt. I heard and my heart pounded. My lips quivered at the sound. Decay crept into my bones and my legs trembled. Can you say anxiety? Attack. Somebody admit the man, right? He's got an irregular heartbeat. His body is shaking from his lips to his legs. He's even hurting pain because of the care, the concern, the anxiety that he feels. What's he going to do? What's he going to do? This is a real problem. I mean, sometimes, sometimes our anxiety is kind of based on some things that haven't even happened yet, right? We've all been there where we're imagining and we're, we're, we're dreaming about what's going to happen. This is like a real problem. This is, this, is, this is for sure. God's even told him what's going to happen. He just can't cope with it. 
So what's he going to do? And here's what you need to, you just got to read it, all right, because I'm just giving you the cliff notes. But here's, here's what he started to do. He started by asking some questions to God. It's kind of like a little catechism going on where he's asking some questions that he's answering. God, aren't you eternal? Aren't you eternal? In other words, he's answering, this is, uh, this is not the end, God. Because I know that you're not going to end, because you never end. This is a real event in history, but God, you are before history. Before history, you were. And after history, you will be. You are bigger even than time. God, this is a moment in time, but time does not hold you, God. You are the one who holds time. And so when he declares that, that God is eternal, he is declaring, God, you are bigger than even this. And then he says, God, you're sovereign. God, you are in control. The, the enemy is coming, but it's because you are orchestrating this, God, and you're doing it in order to bring your people back. And just because this ain't the way I would have drawn it up, this isn't how I thought it would happen, I'm not God, you are, you're in control. And then he moves to God, you are holy. God, you are holy. That means that I know it's why I was talking to you in the beginning. You just can't keep looking at your people in their sin. You won't just sit there and do nothing about your people whose hearts are away from you. You will do what is necessary to bring them back. And then he moves to God, you are faithful. You are the one who, who keeps your promise. You, you keep your covenant. We're your people. You are our God. You can hear it in his language as you read the text. He's declaring the truths about who God really is, and as he's declaring those truths, he begins to see his real position with God in the grasp of God. And I'm not saying that Habakkuk never struggled again, because when you read the story, he did. You, you get it. But something was beginning to change in him until his language led to these words in chapter 3, verse 17, though the fig tree does not bud and there are no grapes on the vines, though the olive crop fails and the fields produce no food, though there are no sheep in the pen and no cattle in the stall. What's he saying so far? He's, he's, he's recounting things that you can count on. He's not saying that the crop's always this big, but he's saying that there's always something of a crop and there's, there's always some cattle and the olive trees always do their thing. It, it's what you can count on, right? But what he's saying is, even if what you can normally count on, you can no longer count on, here's where he goes, yet I will, what? Rejoice. Rejoice. Where? In the Lord. That sounds just like Philippians chapter 4. Rejoice in the Lord. And I'm going to keep on saying it to you. Rejoice, right? Even if everything that you normally can count on doesn't deliver anymore. The heat is turned up and the pressure is on. Rejoice. Rejoice in the Lord. I will be joyful in God my Savior. Watch this. The sovereign Lord is my strength. He makes my feet 
Like the feet of a deer, he enables me to tread on the heights. When I, when I find myself in the dangerous places, when I, when I find myself in those situations, he is the one who gives me a gracious stability. A gracious stability. I will rejoice in the Lord. I will rejoice in the Lord. And he will give me a gracious stability to walk among the people as I cry out to my God because he's near and he cares. So we're going to keep building in this, but do you hear what's happening? It's sometimes you and I are thinking in such a way that we need to stop thinking, right? Because we got our concern and we got our care and the next thing you know, we're imagining every scenario in the world and, and, and God's not in the picture, right? We're not, we're not doing it in that moment depending on him. It's our thinking of our worry and our concern. We got to stop thinking in that moment and start talking. The issue though is don't, don't start talking to everybody else. Start talking to God. Present your request to him. Petition with thanksgiving. In other words, stop thinking, start talking, start thanking. And what happens? We begin to rethink when suddenly I recognize a mighty hand of God that is over me and a mighty hand of God that upholds me. And I realize we are Tighter than I thought we were. Tighter than it felt like when I was allowing just my mind to run without considering he is present and he is near. If you operate with a, a routine religion, right? And by routine religion, I mean like Things with God are about checking boxes, right? You just kind of do the things you have to do in order to hopefully get God to do what you want him to do. When the pressure's on, routine religion will reveal to you how powerful it is. It's not. This is not about routine religion. This is about the God of all creation who has reached out and is willing to hold you. Hold you. Jesus made all that possible. Jesus made all that possible. We're going to sing a song in just a second after I pray for us. It's called Tighter. I love it, man. I love this song. Because in it, it literally says it's not about checking boxes and it's not about some performance. This is about me being in love with the God who holds me. I want that to be the picture you got when you sing this song. Right here, right there, wherever you are, whatever you're feeling, whatever you're wrestling with, whatever you're going through, a God whose mighty hand is your shelter and a God whose mighty hand lifts you up. You need prayer today? I'm encouraging you. 
seek it. Whichever area you're in, whether it's here, those of you joining us online, whatever that location, man, it, you could turn to somebody in the, in the room to say, hey, here's what I'm struggling with. Will you pray for me? There will be those of us who are pastors and leaders at each place. We are available as we sing. We would be honored to pray for you. Do you see what's available? Let's pray. God, we do not deserve. We have in no way earned. But the truth today for those of us who have placed our faith in Jesus, those of us who have received the forgiveness that we did not earn, but he fully accomplished at the cross, those of us who have been filled with your righteousness, you took our sinfulness. For those of us who are your family, the truth today is we're tight. Some of us today may not feel it, God. I'm asking that, God, you would help us in these moments when we struggle. God, if it's us, if it's our sin that's causing that, God, would you show us today? God, if it is simply a moment in time where it's waiting, God, will you give us eyes that can see? I pray today, God, that you will help your kids to see themselves in your hands. Loved. Loved. God, in this moment together as your church, will you help us to express the truth of a people who desire to worship you? It's in the name of Jesus that I ask it today.